Shall we say happy 32nd anniversary? So to those who are watching us live, this is telecast all over the world. Let's say praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. Praise God. Now, thank you. Please be seated. If I were to ask you, what is the mission and vision of CCF? What in the world are we doing? Why do we gather every Sunday? Why do we have small groups? Well, ladies and gentlemen, will you please read this verse with me together. Everybody, all authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Together, okay? Now, my PowerPoint will eventually show up here, but right now, can you just read those verses overhead, everybody? All authority has been given to me in heaven and on earth. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I commanded you, and lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. According to this verse, what's our mission? According to that verse, what is our primary mission? Everybody, I want to give you a test in English. All right? How many of you say, go... In verse 19, go is the main verb, go. Raise your hands. Just because your family name is go, you can also raise your hands. How many of you say go is the main verb? Raise your hands. Okay. How many of you will say make disciples is the main verb? How many of you say baptize is the main verb? How many of you will say teach is the main verb? And how many of you will never, ever raise your hand? <laughs> the primary verb, ladies and gentlemen, the primary verb from now on, if you are from CCF, you can never say go. From now on, the primary verb is make disciples. That is the primary verb. That's the main mission. The going, go, is to support the primary verb. It's a verbal participles. How do you make disciples? You go. How do you make disciples? You baptize them. How do you make disciples? You teach them. So what's the main verb? Make disciples. Turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, make disciples. Now, why is this so important? Because in the Philippines, you say the word Christian, there's all kinds of ideas what it means to be a Christian. No, no. A disciple is more than a Christian. A disciple is a committed follower of Jesus. Let me repeat. A disciple is more than a believer. He is a committed follower of Christ. Therefore, our acronym CCF is so simple. CCF. Everybody, please read. To honor God and make Christ committed followers who will make Christ committed followers. So that's our mission, to make Christ committed followers who will make Christ committed followers. Now, what do we do? Make Christ committed followers. To give you an example of what we do, I've asked one of our members to share with you his life's journey. Let us welcome Tony De La Paz. Good morning. I'm Tony De La Paz, and I would like to share God's story in my quest for meaning and purpose in life. As a boy, I wanted to be like my dad, a brave and well-respected soldier. I wanted to be a leader like him who was looked up to and admired by relatives and friends. Wanting to lead and prove myself, I became a promoter of mischief, which eventually led me to engage in vices and drug use. I became wayward, got involved in fist fights, and founded a frat in high school. After being turned down by the Philippine Military Academy because I was underage, I went to college where I joined another fraternity and became more entrenched in drug use, sexual promiscuity, and violence. Our family business became bankrupt, I had to drop out of school, and in 1987, in the face of deep depression, God ministered to me through a Christian TV program where I heard the gospel. I prayed to accept Jesus as my Savior. 
I tried to start over praying for a job which God provided. Things seemed to turn out fine until an office mate shared a sachet of shabu. I was instantly hooked and became addicted. Everything went on a downward spiral. My dad died. My girlfriend broke up with me. And I lost my job. I was in debt and resorted to gambling. I lost everything, including my hair. I was in deep depression, became violent, and was hearing voices. I was paranoid and attempted suicide. I tried to kill my brother, which landed me in jail. After my release, I tried to be sober, but old habits didn't die easily. I was in and out of jobs because of my drug use. When I landed another job, after a desperate time of waiting, I feared that I was going to be terminated again. So I left the work and went home feeling hopeless and helpless. In my utter desperation, I cried out to God to help me. I wanted so much to change, but I didn't know how. I admitted to God that I was an addict. I asked Him to deliver me, believing that He alone has the power to change me. I asked for forgiveness and surrendered my life to God. At that moment, a strong wind blew, and I felt God's assuring presence. I knew then. God heard my prayer. I believe that was the day I was truly saved. God started His transforming work in my life. He restored my mind. He gave me a desire to read and study His Word. I was on my own for one year, feeding through Christian radio and TV programs. And in one of the radio programs I listened to, the pastor shared about the importance of belonging to a church so I prayed to God. He led me to call my ex-girlfriend, who was then Pastor Peter's secretary in his real estate company. She was attending CCF and invited me to worship at Valle Verde. God personally ordained that Sunday, and, attend, and I attended because of two significant incidents that he alone can orchestrate. The first was allowing me to be seated beside my brother, whom I tried to kill and whom I have not communicated with for a long time. He too was also invited by a CCF member. It was both our first time to attend CCF and God made a way for us to be reconciled. A miracle indeed. Secondly, the worship service that day was overwhelmingly spirit-filled from the praise and worship to the message shared by the pastor who looked like my idol, Bruce Lee. But more handsome, of course. I was truly blessed, but was having second thoughts of coming back because I felt that I did not fit in. As I was about to leave, I saw Pastor Peter make his way towards me, and he shook my hand. I perceived that as God's confirmation that CCF is where he wanted me to be part of. From that day on, my brother and I agreed to keep on meeting. We attended every single worship service, Bible study, and retreats that CCF offered. I also joined a cell group and eventually started my own D-group. By His grace, we were able to conduct a Bible study in my mother's house, which paved the way for my mother and sister to know and receive Jesus Christ as their Lord and Savior. Not long after, I got married to my ex-girlfriend, and we started a family. After our youngest child was born, a situation at work tested my integrity, leaving me with no option but to resign because I refused to compromise. But God, in His faithfulness, allowed me to be a full-time worker of Penwell Home, a CCF drug rehabilitation center, since 2006. I have been ministering to drug addicts and their families. God continued to open opportunities of service for him through CCF Katipunan in 2015, where I serve with my wife as part of the Council of Servants. My children are also serving in different ministries. 
God is using all this to cause me to grow in my relationship with Him. Jesus said in John 10.10 10, that the thief comes only to steal, kill, and destroy. I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. I have been a drug addict for 15 years, but now sober for 25 years. The enemy tried to kill, steal, and destroy me, but God's power restored me and His love has given me an abundant life, a life of meaning and purpose. Truly, it is by the power and grace of our Lord Jesus Christ that all this can be possible. All praise and glory to my Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, CCF family. and His family. And above all, we need to thank God for, for transforming His life. Is God amazing? You know, somebody once said, Christianity, if false, is of no importance. And if true, of infinite importance. The only thing it cannot be is moderately important. You know what this author is saying? If Christianity is false, forget about it. Because Christianity is founded on Jesus. If Christianity is true, it is of infinite importance. Not just importance, of infinite importance. But it can never be moderately important. What do you mean by moderately important? What do we mean? I've heard parents, Chinese parents, Filipino parents, Asian parents, you know what they tell their children? It's okay to believe. But don't get too serious. In Chinese, sin. Mtang xiong sin. Meaning, you believe, but don't be a fanatic. In other words, just believe, but don't give your life to the cause of Christ. That's too much. You know why they say those things? Perhaps some of you are thinking of that. You tell your children, it's okay to follow Jesus, but don't give your life to Jesus. Be a doctor. Be a lawyer. But don't give your life to the service of Jesus. That kind of statement tells me something. That you are sincere, but sincerely wrong. The reason is Christianity cannot be moderately important if it is true. You know why? Because of who Jesus is. If Jesus is God and he died for me, there is nothing I can do except to give him my all. Let me repeat. If Jesus is God and he gave me his all, Can I give back to him? If not, to give him my all. So you think about this. Who is Jesus to you? For Tony, Jesus is his Savior, is his Lord. He transformed his life. And that's why Christianity is so crucial. In fact, we have been studying the Gospel of John. The Bible tells us, the Gospel of John tells us, all right? John tells us, everybody, let's read this. This has been written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And that believing you may have life in His name. You know why Christianity, Christianity is so important? Let me tell you why. It affects your life now, it affects your future, and it affects your eternal destiny. If Jesus is not true, I will not waste my time talking about the Bible, talking about Jesus. If Jesus is not true, a lot of our elders, most of us elders, don't receive a single cent. But you know why we give our time to teach the Bible? Because I believe with all my heart that Jesus is the Savior of the world. I believe with all my heart when Jesus tells us, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Either that is true or it is not true. If Christianity is false, Forget it, guys. Do not play games. You know why? We're wasting our time. But if Christianity is true, Jesus is true, I suggest you give him your entire life. Serve him. There is no other option. If he's not true, forget Christianity. If he is true, give him your own. Today I'm going to talk about Jesus, the God without limits. Experience his power. Everybody say that with me. Jesus, the God without limits, experience 
His power. This explains why some people are excited about Jesus. They're excited. And some are not excited. They're mediocre. Some are so eager about Jesus, but others are passive. The reason? One is theoretical head knowledge, like our sharer. When Tony first prayed to receive Christ, it's in the head. It never sunk into the heart. The day he knelt down before God and said, Lord, I really need you. I believe that was the day when he came to really understand and met Jesus as his Lord and Savior. Now, I'm not making any judgmental statement of when does a person really become a Christian. I'm not saying that. All I'm saying is simply this. If you have an encounter with Jesus, you will experience his power. When you experience his power, it will never be the same. Question, have you experienced his power? Do you know it is God's will for you to experience his power? The Bible tells us about the power of God. Let's read this together. Now to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think according to the power that works within us. Notice, to him who is able to do. He could have stopped here. To him who is able to do. He did not stop. He said to him who is able to do far more abundantly beyond all that we ask or think. Now this is an amazing Biblical truth that God is able to do far beyond, more abundantly beyond all that you can ever ask or think to the power that works within us. You have amazing power available through Christ. But some of us are enslaved to sin, enslaved to bitterness, enslaved to pornography, and slept to games. God knows that. And God is saying, you know what? I'm going to help you. I know some of you here are enslaved to relationships, to something that is not good. And somehow you think that's normal. Listen to me. That is not normal when you come to Christ. He's going to set you free. He has the power. How do you experience His power? Would you like to learn how to experience His power? All right. I'll give you a story that is found in John chapter 6, and that story contains two amazing miracles. How do you experience God's power? Are you ready? Once you realize you need God's power, I want you to focus on these amazing stories. The first story found in John chapter 6 is the feeding of the 5,000. It's a special story. Why? It is the only miracle recorded by all the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John. Here you will learn how to experience God's power, but it is not enough. In the four Gospels, they connected this miracle to the next miracle. Jesus walked on water. Why? Because they are interrelated. Let me explain to you. How do you experience God's power? Well, the Bible tells us the story starts. After these things, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee. So a large crowd followed him. They saw the signs which he was performing. In other words, Jesus was always popular. Lots of people were following him. Then something happened. It was getting dark. There was no food. You understand the problem? Lots of people. The Bible tells us 5,000 men not including wives, not including children. So at least 10,000, okay? So lots of people. Jesus, lifting up his eyes, saw, seeing a large crowd was coming to him, said to Philip, where are we to buy bread so that this may eat? The Bible tells us Jesus tested Philip. He was saying to test him, for he knew what he was intending to do. Philip answered, 200 denarii worth of bread is not sufficient for them, for everyone to receive a little. Philip flunked the test. This is the mid-year exam for his disciples. He told his disciples, all right, a big crowd is coming. 
Something like this, okay? 10,000. Now, feed them. Philip flung the test. Philip said, even we have seven months of salary, we cannot take care of that. Now, in Matthew chapter 14, it was recorded in a different way, but same idea. When it was evening, the disciples came and said to him, this place is desolate and the hour is already late, so send the crowds away. You see, they flunked the test. Their solution is send them home that they may go into the villages and buy food for themselves. They flunked the test. You see, you limit God when you focus on the problems. You limit God's power when you focus on your own resources. To experience the supernatural power of God, principle number one, you must admit your limitations. Admit our incapabilities. If you want to remember this message, very simple. I have the acronym, Experiencing God's Power. Can I tell you how? ASO. What is ASO? A-S-O. A, admit. Admit your inadequacies. For example, Jesus was testing them. Jesus said to them, they do not need to go away. You give them something to eat. Many times we are like that. When there are many problems, but you cannot help the people, what do you do? Okay, goodbye, I will pray for you. You send them away. Nothing wrong with that, but the truth is many of us feel inadequate. Yes or no? You want to experience God's power? Humble yourselves. You must humble yourself and say, Lord, I cannot do this. I praise God for Tony. Tony humbled himself. He admitted his inadequacies. One of the, one of the disciples, Andrew, Simon's brother, said to Jesus, there is a lad here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are these for so many people? Now, you have to understand the power of the story. The Bible talks about there was a little boy. He had how many pieces of bread? There is a boy here, five barley loaves and two fish. The word barley gives you a hint. That boy was poor. Normal people will eat wheat bread, not barley. Barley is for animals. So this boy was poor. Two fish. Now, you might be thinking, it's the kind of fish that we eat. Steam, lapu-lapu. No, no. These two fish, sardines, pickled, salted, tiny pieces of fish. That is what the boy had. Now, what's amazing, this guy... Andrew also flunked the test. You know why? He said, what are these for so many people? You see, many times, look at me, you limit God because you fail to understand. You are only a distributor. You are not the manufacturer. We don't have the resources. You must admit that you don't have it all. Number two, you must realize you need to surrender whatever you have. A-S-O, you may ask, so what is S? Surrender. You surrender the little that you have because the little that you have, when you give it to God, becomes plenty. That's the amazing story, how to experience God's power. So the Bible tells us, Jesus said, have the people sit down. There was much grass in the place, so the men sat down in number about, louder, about how many? 5,000 men, just men. And the Bible tells us, Jesus took the loaves, and having given thanks, he distributed to those who were seated, likewise also of the fish, as much as they wanted. Everybody, this is called buffet as much as they wanted. Now, the Bible did not stop there. The Bible tells us when they were filled, he said to his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments so that nothing will be lost. So they gathered them up and filled 12 baskets with fragments from the five barley loaves 
which were left over by those who had eaten. This is not just a buffet. This is take home. You can take home. Now, when you go to a buffet, you cannot take home. What is the Bible telling us? You know, we are distributor. Now, where is my amazing gadget? Somehow, it is going to come. Okay? But look at me, everybody. You are a distributor. You are not the manufacturer. So what is ministry? Ministry is connecting human needs with divine resources. That's my job. I connect. To experience God's power, A, admit your limitations. You are only a distributor. A distributor is simply somebody, you connect people to God, the resource center, and you give it to those who are in need. This is amazing because I am blind. I cannot see. And the, and the host. Now, everybody, God, be merciful to me. <laughs> what is this? This is a spigot. Yes or no? Spigot, right? Do you know a story was told when they were making the movies, Lawrence of Arabia. They brought some Middle East people to London. When they went to London, the Middle Eastern people were so amazed. They opened the spigot and the water came out. So you know what they tried to do? They tried to steal the spigot. In their mind, if they bring this to the Middle East, where it's all desert, and somehow the water will come out. Now, why are you laughing? Because you say that's ridiculous. This is totally useless if it is not connected to the source. My friend, turn to your neighbor. Tell your neighbor, distributor lang tayo, distributor. Okay? You are not the source. You must admit your limitations. Now, you know what is this? This is a hose. By itself, it cannot produce water. You got to have this connected. Understand? A few weeks ago, I was reminded of this principle. There was a member from CCF who felt compassion for a house help. Because the house help prematurely delivered a baby, only seven months old. So that baby was placed in this uh, hospital incubator to save her life. But when this person reported to us, she was shocked that the hospital bill has already reached 200000 Now, when I heard that story, as you can see, I'm still growing. In my mind, why will a house help go to a private hospital and spend all of that money knowing she does not have the money? In my mind, that's taking advantage of people. You see my heart? You have to understand my heart. It's Ilocano, okay? And then sometimes Chinese heart also, okay? And then Jewish training. So, But God reminded us, I am a distributor. I was convicted. But this young lady who didn't have the money felt compassion. And before I knew it, she was able to raise all the money for this house help. God is amazing. Amen? That's called experiencing His power. What are we? Distributor. You connect people, their needs, connect them to the Lord. You are the conduit. Now, this little boy, five loaves, two fish. Let me ask you, why did he surrender all of what he had to the Lord? Let me ask you an honest question. You are hungry. That is now your dinner. Five loaves, two fish. What will you do? 
will you give it to Jesus? Or will you say, you know, based on my training, I got to take care of myself first. What will you do? What made this boy surrender everything? Remember, when that boy surrendered five loaves, two fish, he lost control of his dinner. No more. Yes or no? You want to experience God's power? Not only must you admit, you must surrender. You say, well, this is too little. I cannot impact the world for Jesus. I, it, it, it's immaterial. Listen to me. When you surrender the little that you have, God can multiply it. I'm reminded of the story of a little boy in CCF during our building fund campaign when we were going to build this place. The little boy brought his piggy bank, a piggy bank. That boy gave his all. And when I saw the piggy bank in my heart, I knew God was speaking to me. God is saying, you know what? You just do what I ask you to do. I will provide the rest. You know why? Because we are distributor. You've got to surrender. What did this boy experience? Listen to me. If this boy did not surrender five loaves, two fish, look at me. He will never know what he missed. He would have just enjoyed five loaves, two fish. That's all. Now, let me ask you, by surrendering five loaves, two fish, did he eat more or did he, did he eat less? He ate more than five loaves, more than two fish. You know why? When you surrender to the Lord, the principle is simple. He multiplies, he takes care of you, but the boy had no idea what's going to happen. You know why? Our faith is in the Lord. That boy must have been attending the Bible study of Jesus for some time, okay? Because he heard Jesus preaching. And I discover sometimes young people have more spiritual insight than adults. Your own children can teach you a lot. But to make a long story short, that boy experienced something that he would have never experienced. You know, when that boy gets old someday, you know what he will tell his children? You know, many years ago, I gave what I had. Five loaves, two fish. And you know what the Lord did? The Lord used it to feed over 5,000 men. Do you have stories to tell about your encounter with the power of God? You will never have this kind of stories. Can I tell you why? Some of us are connected to the Lord, but you are not connected to the people. You don't see needs. If you don't see needs, how can you be a distributor? You have to be connected to the Lord and you're connected to the people. And that's why we have small groups. And when God burdens you, you pray. And then you've got to learn to obey. Can I tell you why obedience is so important? To experience God's power, you've got to know who He is. You see, the disciples, the people there, when they saw the sign which he had performed, they said, this truly is the prophet. Referring to Deuteronomy 18, he is the prophet. But you know what? Jesus is more than a prophet. They are saying, this is it. And you know what they wanted to do? They wanted to make Jesus king. Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him by force to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself. You know why? Do you know why Jesus did not want to be their king at that time? Because all they had in mind was what? Look at me. This king is going to take care of us. Jesus said in John 6, 26, you seek me because you ate and were filled. I learned a principle. You want to experience God's power, you must understand. Jesus is not just our Savior. He is not just a prophet. He is not just a king. You have to know more than that. You know why? Jesus will have nothing to do with man-made religion. What is man-made religion? You make Jesus to be like Santa Claus. You be my God, you be my king, but you take care of me. Jesus will have nothing to do with that kind of a religion where you use Jesus for your own selfish end. Jesus 
is not only a king. He is the son of God. Before you judge those people, look at your own life. Do you get angry when God does not answer your prayer? Be honest. Do you make God to be the way you want him to be? That, my friend, is called religion. You come to God and you use him for your selfish reason. And the reason is simple. We don't know him. Jesus needed to teach his disciples. That's why the second miracle is crucial. Now, the Bible tells us when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. After getting into a boat, they started to cross the Sea of Capernaum. Now, you have to understand, between that miracle and going to the sea, there is something that happened which you won't see clearly until you go to Matthew chapter, let's look at Matthew chapter 14. Everybody, let's read this. What really happened? There were 5,000 men who ate besides women and children. Notice, immediately he made the disciples get into the boat. Grammatically, after they wanted him to become king, he said, no, you guys, you disciples, go. Go into the boat. Basically, he forced them. And the Bible tells us, Jesus sent the crowds away. And the Bible tells us he went to the mountain to pray. Listen, to experience God's power, not only must you learn to admit your limitations. Say, Lord, I cannot do this. You must surrender whatever you have. But the third principle is so crucial. When God asks you to do something, you must obey and they obeyed Jesus. The problem is this. By obeying Jesus, what happened to them? Everybody read this. The boat was already a long distance from the land, battered by the waves, for the wind was contrary. Technically, you can say Jesus sent them to the storms. When they left the place, the weather was good, but right as they were in the boat, the wind came. There was a storm. Why do you need to understand this? Listen to me. Many times, people give up obeying. Because in your mind, if I obey God, if I'm in the center of God's will, I will have no problems. You see, we have this wrong theology. That theology that says, if I am in God's will, if I'm obeying God, I must not have any problems. Everything must be smooth. Listen to me. God is more concerned with your character than your comfort. When you come to Jesus... It does not mean all your problems will be solved. But one thing I guarantee you, you will experience his power even in the midst of storm. But do not expect a storm-free life when you obey. But you can expect a storm-proof life because he is going to be with you. You know, you know what the Bible tells us? To experience his power, why you need to obey? Let's find out. In the fourth watch of the night... He came to them. Now, the fourth watch, you know what time that is? You guess. I'll tell you later. While the disciples saw him walking on the sea, they were terrified and said, it is a ghost. They cried out in fear. The disciples were not afraid of the storm. They were afraid of multo. You know why? Look at me. The disciples were brave people. They are used to the storms. Why did they get afraid? Because they saw a man walking on the water. Listen to me. Have you tried walking in Pasig River? No. Who alone can walk on the water? Jesus is more than a prophet. Jesus is more than a king. Jesus is the Son of God. And that miracle is to tell his disciples who Jesus is. Now listen, fourth watch. In other words, Jesus allowed them to keep rowing and rowing until it was almost morning. Maybe four o'clock in the morning. 
Jesus is amazing. He allows us to have problems, but His timing is impeccable. Sometimes we've been praying, Lord, Lord, help me. I've been single for so long already, Lord. I've been attending all singles retreat. Lord, Lord. You know what? In God's time, in God's time. So you are having family problems, I know. You want to change your husband. You want to change your wife. And you've been praying. And God is saying, just obey me. To obey means you do what you know God wants you to do. And what you do not know, leave that to God. You don't have to know everything. Listen to me. You will never experience God's power if you don't obey what you know God wants you to do. You do the first part. Why will God show you what's next when you are not yet doing the first part? And that's why many Christians' life are boring. Their spiritual life is dying. There is no revelation, no fresh uh, message from the Lord. Can I tell you why? If you are not obeying what you know, and then you read the Bible, why will God speak to you if you are already disobedient in the first part? You see, to experience God's power, you have to obey moment by moment. When the thunderstorms will come, you just say, Lord, you asked me to do this, I'm going to keep on doing it. That's how you experience His power. You know why? Our security is this amazing statement. Immediately, notice immediately, when they were afraid, Jesus spoke to them, take courage, it is I. You see, in the midst of storm, what's your security? The presence of God. What's the secret of power? The presence of God. What's the secret of provisions? The presence of God in your life. Do you know sometimes I get stressed? When I hear stories, when I hear families, they come to me, they tell me this is what their husband did, this is what their wife did. I, I sympathize. I get nervous. But I'm always reminded, my job is to connect these people to the Lord. Once I connect them, God's power is available. Yes? You need peace? God's peace is more than sufficient. You need joy? I connect them to the joy of the Lord. Are you angry? Are you bitter? I connect people to the Lord. That's your job. You are a distributor. Understand? Admit your inability. Just say, I'm a distributor. Say it with me. I'm a distributor. Amen? And then you must what? Surrender. Whatever little you have, surrender it to the Lord. And then you got to obey. Now, when you obey, it's not always easy. You know why? Let's look at Peter. You know, Peter is amazing. Peter said, Lord, if it is you, command me to come to you. You know, Peter understood theology. Peter understood strength, power comes from the Lord. Lord, if it is you, in Tagalog, kung talaga si Lord ka, tawagin mo ako. Walk on water. Listen to me. Don't try to walk in Pasig River. But if God tells you, you walk. Okay with me? All right. So that's what Peter did. Peter, Jesus said, come. Now, in the Greek language, this is a command. Peter, come. And Peter got out of the boat, walked on the water, and came toward Jesus. But seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. And he cried out, Lord, save me. Now, let me ask you, how do you walk on water? How? How do you walk on water? Did Peter walk on water? Louder. Yes. So how do you walk on water? Get out of the boat. You have to get out of the boat. There were 12 disciples. Only one got out of the boat. You know why? Only one had the courage to say, Lord, command me. Many of you are stuck in the boat. The boat is your comfort zone. You love the comfort of the boat. You can never walk on water, never experience the power of God if you keep staying on the boat. To walk on water, what must you do? Get out of the boat. Many years ago, I praised God. There was a lady in CCF. She was stuck in her boat, her comfort zone. She was a mistress of a man who is married. And her security is the financial provision of the married man. So she was comfortable. That's her boat. I didn't even know the whole story. I just teach the Bible. One day, the Lord convicted her. She got out of the boat. 
You have to understand, for a mistress to get out of that relationship is a risk. Who will take care of my children? Who will provide for me? Would you believe it? This girl became a part owner of a security agency. Today, God has provided for her. Is God amazing? Yes. But to experience the power of God, look at me. What must you do? Get out of the boat. I remember. One of our members called me up one night. He said, Peter, I'm in trouble. I said, why? My wife is interrogating me. She discovered I have affairs. I said, so what do you want me to do? Can you come? I said, no problem, I will help you. But he said, in the meantime, is it okay with you if I lie to my wife? Allow me to lie. What did I say? Can you guess? Get out of the boat. Tell the truth. To obey God is to do what you know he wants you to do and leave the consequences to the Lord. Let me repeat. You obey God. Leave the consequences to God. He said, Peter, Papa Tanya, I will die. He, she will kill me. I said, how big is your God? You see our problem? We underestimate the power of God. We overestimate our own ingenuity. We always look on ourselves. You limit God when you focus in your own power, when you focus on your own resources. You limit God when you focus on the problems. How do you unlimit God? My friend, you surrender. You obey. He obeyed. And when I went to their house with my wife, he showed me his chest. It's like Dracula went through. <laughs> I said, pare, welcome. I said, you know what? You're going to have more of this. <laughs> I said, but you are healing. And you know, today, if you look at this couple, you will never know what they went through serving God. This guy is so effective. In fact, he's now a pastor of one of the fastest growing satellites we have. Praise God. My friend, you want to experience God's power? Jesus, the God without limits. No limits, but we limit him. You know how we limit him? By our disobedience. You know how we limit God? When we don't admit that we can do it. Now, look at this amazing story. Seeing the wind, he became frightened and beginning to sink. What are you learning? To obey God, you have to fix your eyes on Jesus. You see, faith, to obedience without faith is impossible to be sustained. You've got to fix your eyes on Jesus. There is a direct correlation, direct correlation one-on-one. -on -one. If you don't fix your eyes on Jesus and you fix your eyes on people, you fix your eyes on problems, you are going to sink. I have learned in my Christian life to experience the supernatural power of Christ in my life. I must fix my eyes on Jesus. Because if I fix my eyes on people, I will stumble. You see, if you fix your eyes on pastors, you fix your eyes on people like us, or you fix your eyes on your parents, you fix your eyes on your D-group leaders, you are going to sink, you are going to stumble because none of us are perfect. Can you turn to your neighbor, tell your neighbor, don't fix your eyes on me. Tell your neighbor. And then tell your neighbor, I will not fix my eyes on you. But can I tell you something? I, told, I tell the pastors, you cannot use this as an excuse. Do not watch your behavior. Can I tell you something? Whether I say it, I don't say it, you guys are watching me, yes or no? Even if I tell you, don't watch pastors, are you still watching us? So we have no excuse, we have to be careful. But I'm going to tell you, if you keep your eyes on us, you are going to sink. So as a rule, I fix my eyes on Jesus. When leaders will disappoint me, when people will disappoint me, I say, Lord, I fix my eyes on you. That's what Jesus tells us. Fix your eyes on Jesus. Because the moment you don't fix your eyes on Jesus, why did Peter sink? He sank because he fixed his eyes on problems. He saw the wind. Now, look at me. Seeing the wind. How do you see the wind? The waves. The water. 
So fix your eyes on Jesus. You want to experience God's power? Yes or no? All right. God wants you to experience his power. Fix your eyes on him. By the way, do you want to know the shortest prayer in the Bible? The shortest prayer? This is it. Lord, save me. Say that with me. Lord, save me. Some of you are sinking. I know some of you. You are drowning spiritually. You are dying morally. You know something is wrong. You want to compromise. Can I tell you something? You pray this prayer. Lord, save me. That's how you experience God's power. When you pray, Lord, save me. And you know, the most amazing thing is exactly what happened. Jesus, immediately Jesus stretched out his hand and took hold of him. So I can imagine Jesus was with Peter already. They were together. Except Peter, look at the storm. Look at the wave. Ah! Oh, Lord, save me. What did Jesus do? Tikas-tikas ng ulo mo. I told you, look at me. And you keep looking at the wave. Sige, malunod ka muna. Is that what Jesus did? You see, some of you feel you're unworthy. Some of you, honestly, you feel like God cannot save you anymore. Because you have blown it. You feel you're unworthy. Can I tell you something? What did Jesus do? Immediately. The Bible says immediately. What did he do? He stretched out his hand. That's what you need to do. Immediately. And the Bible tells us, <clears throat> when they got into the boat, the wind stopped. You know what that tells me? While Peter was walking, the wind was still there. When Peter was with Jesus, the storm was still there. A lesson for us. Security is never in the absence of storm. It's always in the presence of the Lord. And as long as you understand this and you need help, you just say, Lord, save me. And I tell you, the Bible tells us Jesus immediately. And the Bible tells us they got into the boat and the wind stopped. And those who were in the boat worshipped him. For the first time in the gospel, for the first time, they understood who Jesus is. They worshipped him. You will never see them worshipping Jesus until Matthew chapter 14. After this incident, they realized who Jesus was. The, those who were in the boat worshipped him, saying, you are certainly God's son. My friend, is your life a life of worship? Supernatural life. You know, the supernatural Christian life is filled with worship. It's awe. It's wonder. Because you are walking with the Lord supernaturally. You know, God wants to offer you a supernatural life where you can forgive people. You can have joy in the midst of sorrow. You can have peace. It's called supernatural living. If you serve God, Look at me. If you learn to be a conduit, you see God at work. Not once a year. You see God at work as a way of life. I tell you, your Christian life will be exciting. You will have an amazing quality of life that people will say, you know what? I like what you have. That is the heritage of God's people. The supernatural life. That is the normal Christian life. What is very sad today, many Christians are living below the normal Christian life. And what is abnormal has become normal. No. God wants you to experience His power. Perhaps some of you today, for the first time, you say, you know what? I've been compromising. I've never surrendered the leader that I have. Let me just close with one of the closest illustration I have of experiencing God's power, living a life of worship. You see, many years ago, my wife was told by the Lord to leave her comfort zone. She enjoyed San Francisco. She was there. That's her work. God told her, get out of your comfort zone. Come to the Philippines. Can I tell you something? My wife responded. She surrendered her life. She obeyed the Lord. She entered this amazing place called Philippines. The traffic is amazing. <laughs> but God gave her 
supernatural strength, supernatural joy. Can I tell you something? If you walk with the Lord, it's a life of supernatural living. You see, if Peter stayed in the boat, he will never know what he had missed. If my wife stayed in San Francisco, she will never know what she will miss. She will miss. <clears throat> she will miss you. She will miss us. Amen? Listen to me. You will never know what you will miss if you don't get out of your boat, if you don't follow God. And many of us are living a life that's below what God has in mind for us. Let's bow our heads. If God is speaking to you, I'm going to ask the pastors to come up here, and you need prayer. You say, you know, Pastor Peter, I'm sinking. My life is like I'm drowning. I need Jesus. Will you raise your hands? I want to pray for you. The reason why I don't like you to live now is because there's going to be a music. There's going to be a song. The song is going to be so beautiful, it will speak to all of us. So don't leave. But first, I want to pray for you. If God is speaking to you, that you say, Lord, I need you. I'm sinking. Save me. Will you raise your hands? Wonderful. Higher. You say, now I understand. I'm going to surrender my life to the Lord. If you want prayer, feel free. You come forward. The pastors and the elders will pray for you. To those of you that need to get out of the boat, and God is speaking to you, and God is saying, you know what? It's about time. You get out of your boat. Obey me. Will you also raise your hands? Higher. Wonderful. Now, this is what I'd like you to do. The first prayer, I want to pray for those who would like to pray, Lord Jesus, save me. You want to experience the saving power of Jesus over your life. Will you quietly stand up? Wonderful. Stand up. You want Jesus to save you. God has spoken to you, and you know you need Jesus as your Savior. Wonderful. Yes. Stand up between you and Jesus. And feel free, if you want to come up here, we'll pray for you. Anybody else? You say, Lord, I want that prayer like Peter prayed. Save me. Anybody else? Wonderful. If God is speaking to you, you just stand up. Yes. I know there are many of you. Stand up. Between you and Jesus, you must be like Tony. Remember Tony? He cried to the Lord. He says, Lord, I'm tired of my life. I'm tired of the way I'm living. I need you. Save me. Anybody else? Praise God. Wonderful. Now, to those who need to get out of their boat, God is asking you to do something, but you are refusing. You feel like it won't make any difference. You need to surrender everything to the Lord. You need to get out of the boat. Will you please stand up also? I want to pray for you. Wonderful. You say, Lord, I need to get out of my comfort zone. I need to surrender to you. I know God is speaking to you. If God has spoken to you and you like to make a commitment to the Lord, whatever it is, we will pray for you. Anybody else? Now, as I pray, the choir is going to sing. I like all of you to sing with the choir from the heart. Before we sing together, let's, I want to pray. And you can follow me, those of you who are standing up, this prayer. Lord Jesus, I need you. I'm sinking. I'm drowning. Many times I feel I don't deserve you. I failed so many times, again and again. Today, Jesus, I come to you. Just like Peter, Lord, I know you will save me. So, Lord Jesus, I come to you. Be my Savior. Be my Master. Lord Jesus, I pray for those who are so comfortable in their boat. They are so comfortable in their job, in their career. Lord, whatever it is, 
that you are speaking to them, I pray that they'll be willing to get out of their comfort zone, out of their security to follow you. And Lord, I thank you that our biggest security is your presence. Lord, speak to the hearts of the people. In your name we pray. Amen.